and welcome to a special Christmas-ish edition of the Highlander cast. Um, as usual, I am Vance. Uh, with me is Sav. Hello, everyone. And a special guest, Isaac. Ooh, special. I am glad to be back. The reason we've got Isaac on is there's a couple of big uh, online events coming up that he's been organising, and we wanted to help him transmit that information to whoever may be listening. So do you want to tell us about sort of why you came up with the idea of these events and what what they are? Yeah, okay. So it's a competitive uh, online league. Uh, this one is going yep. to go over the space of four weeks. So uh, it's uh, being played on Magic Online. And this is the, the key thing that uh, is different from the other leagues that have been going on at the moment. So yep. there's a lot of um, uh, the... Uh, web web camera based leagues, but the problem with webcams is that there's a lot of hands that go off screens and putting up competitive prizes when there's a higher uh, probability. I don't even know if it's a probability, but like a, 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 an increased ease of cheating mm-hmm. means that uh, people don't feel comfortable with uh, you know hyper competitive prizes. Yeah. That and even if even if cheating didn't actually occur, it's that feeling, right? So if someone yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. won an underground sea or something, and you go, oh, but but what if what if you know, I was yeah, playing yeah, honestly, like, but someone wasn't. Or, I, I would be yeah. much more reluctant to pay X amount of dollars, $20, $50, whatever, mm-hmm. to enter a tournament, even if it had really good prizes, if my opponent could be just getting past cards off screen. To, yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, look, I drew a rat at exactly the right time. Mm. And, and Sav is, is totally right that it's not even... It's not even about, like... Like, I was playing a league match that I, I, I lost... <clears throat> And I'm like 99% sure that my opponent did not cheat. But they did, you know, draw the combo like without uh, any preordained ponder brainstorm. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. And a thought seize to take my counter spell and a Teferi to take my other counter spell. <laughs> yeah, and, a, yeah. and, a misstep, and a misstep to counter my thought seize. So it was like, <laughs> it was just phenomenal. Uh, uh, but also like, I mean, that just happens some percentage of the games. And yeah, I'm, like, right. very confident that my opponent didn't cheat. But that 1% just actually made me feel real gross. It's, so. that, it's that niggling doubt that, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it comes in, it makes you, it gives you sort of stress or anxiety or whatever the appropriate word might be that you would both know better than me, um, that maybe I just got sharked. Um, yeah. Even if it's someone you... Because, I mean, you can have that happen even if it's someone you've played heaps of times before and you trust them. Mm, yeah. You're like, that hand was unreasonably good, yeah. even though deep down you know that, you know, 1% of the time or whatever, yeah, that's going to happen. Yep. Um, and, and you're just on the bad side of some odds. That's it. And, and it's um, it's about incentive as well. When you're looking at things like playtesting, your friend could do that and, and you know, put a situation where they do something really, really awesome and get this momentary, um, you know, opportunity to have fun, but then it causes their play group to not have fun. And then that's just how naturally playtesting and casual games just generally push out cheating. It just doesn't, it just happens naturally. Um, it doesn't, uh, gets, 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 um, into the culture of that, of that play group. Um, and so most of those online events are fantastic because it's like, a, people don't cheat because it's like playtesting. It's like a casual environment where you get to hang out with friends and yep. uh, sling some cards. But there has to be some other avenue, some other avenue where you can put something big on the line and people just know, yep, this is like a competitive event. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so 
What is on the line for this event, Isaac? Yeah, so uh, uh, for this event here, first place is an underground seat. So wow, that is amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess having a first place underground seat isn't that amazing. The amazing factor is that it's zero dollars. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. We didn't uh, mention that part. <laughs> yeah. Zero is a pretty low entry fee. Um, yeah, I mean there is the there is the factor of having to have an online collection. Yeah, of which course. is something I wanted to mention today. So there's a couple of different ways you can get around that. So you can actually just buy the cards. Interestingly, there are. It's so much cheaper on online. Uh, like Time Walk is three <laughs> tickets, for instance. So, yep. and three tickets is like three US dollars. So, yep. uh, you can get pretty much like even like you know the most broken of Highlander decks for under five hundred dollars online, and then you've got it online for this tournament as well as uh, the next big tournament that we're running. So, this one at the moment is the test run event. So, mm -hmm. for a big it's tournament. funny. Um... Because there've been a bunch of people in the Discord talking about it, but like, yeah, like as you say, time uh, time walk three dollars, um, or three US dollars, but you know, three ticks. Uh, time vault a third of a tick. Um, <laughs> if you want to play something like Uro, that's you know ninety ticks or eighty ticks or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Some Oof. of the newer mythics. Uh, yeah, it, there's some weird Modern things Rises. on there. Like uh, Uro <laughs> is like, yeah, like uh, eighty bucks. Uh, uh, Ren and Six is comparable to real life at about seventy bucks. Yeah. Uh, one thing I found interesting is Submerge. Submerge is twenty five tickets. Wow! So, wow! Uh, <laughs> so there's some weird stuff on there. But the other option is that you can actually do a, a rental service. So yep. there's uh, some different um, uh, websites that you can go to. The two big ones are Card Hoarders and Mana Traders. Uh, they provide a rental service where you basically pay like $50 a month and then they give you access to like 400 tickets worth of cards, uh, which you borrow for the amount of time that you play your league match and then you give them back to the, to the rental service. Yep, Which is cool. uh, certainly a pretty affordable option, if you, especially if you want to change decks all the time. So if you want to like, yeah, I want to play Reanimated this week, and then I also want to test like four-color pod, and then I want to play a uh, uh, Aldrazi deck or something, then you can do that with the Mana Traders or, or Cardholders account, which is pretty cool, pretty cool option available. So just some more details about the league. Um, if I enter, do I have to play the same deck every round? So you're going to submit a deck list yep. and uh, for the, this, this league is going to run over four weeks. So uh, you'll get two pairings in the first fortnight, two pairings in the second fortnight. So you uh, submit a list for your, the first fortnight and then you can either uh, just you know, yam the same deck in the second fortnight or you can actually submit a new list for the second okay. one of pairings, which... Uh, it's interesting, like there's been some hiccups there. This this event is certainly uh, testing and, and yeah, sure. getting us information about some of the hiccups that we uh, both anticipated that we would run into and also the the expectation that we will run up run against some some hurdles that we didn't know did, didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, which is a really sensible way to do it. I mean, I've seen you uh, and uh, Angus, um, Angus from CBRMTG has been one of the people heavily involved in helping get this off the ground. Yeah, um, so there's three... And there have been a bunch of questions in the Discord that people have asked, and, and your Angus have been like, yeah, that is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of that. <laughs> there's, uh, uh, there's been a few people that have been involved in making this happen. 
Yeah. Uh, Vance is one of those people who's coordinating a bunch of the Discord stuff. Uh, shout out to Vance. Thank you very much. Appreciate your help. No um, problems. And then Angus has been a huge uh, positive impact in doing a bunch of work, getting some things rolling, contacting people, and uh, being the uh, tournament organizer on a lot of fronts. And then the other one is uh, Pat Pat Hawkins of Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then myself. Uh, yeah. And, you know, representing Rob's MTG Auctions. So, nice team. Yeah. It, it is a really good team. Um, like... Angus is so high energy with these things. Like it's really, it's really positive to have him involved because people are just like, oh, what do we do about this? What do we do about that? We've got to write this document. Angus is like, yep, yeah, no problem. Knock that out. Keep everyone involved, etc. Um, yep. And then and we've just yeah. uh, we've just got Graham King on board as well. So yep, uh, yep. as a backup to you. Yeah, as a as a, a moderator uh, for like answering questions and providing feedback as well. And we're actually looking for the big event. We want to get up to a team of at least 10 people to be able to coordinate some things, um, especially with the, just an increased number of players means an exponential amount of difficulty and the, uh, yeah, uh, especially, you know, people coming into the format that don't know the format and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah there's sure. heaps of logistics, so many moving cogs. So um, excellent work to the team. And also, as you mentioned, the, the uh, increased number of players, this is going to be tapping into not just an Australian cohort, but an international cohort. Isn't that right? That's the idea. That's the idea. Uh, the objective, there's a couple of different objectives. Uh, one of them is to bring it internationally, to let people know about Seven Point Highlander. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one is to really encourage some content creation, which is one thing that we put up to start with, which was uh, the best deck tech in the last couple of days. Uh, mm -hmm. So particularly like a YouTube video or something like that, uh, where I just wanted to see um, what people would create. And we're going to give away 10 tickets to somebody. They actually have to work that out today. Uh, and then we're going to also have all these different content creation uh, incentives along the way, like person who streams the longest or most Twitch views or, uh, yeah, look, we're actually really keen to get uh, different ideas from the community about how we can incentivize content creation. So best YouTube video, best deck tech, or uh, most funny YouTube video centered around Seven Point Highlander. We're not entirely sure, but uh, that's great. Yeah, and you've yeah. got you've got kind of two perspectives to go at it, and that is one taking established Highlander players and getting them to create content, which is awesome, and it has already you know started underway in those last couple of days, which is great to see. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you've got the other option, which is obviously getting existing content creators who don't play Highlander to play Highlander. Yeah, yeah, yeah or getting some of those uh, who have played occasionally, like um, people like Pleasant Kenobi. Mm -hmm. um, to go, oh yeah, this is worth having a shot at. I enjoy this format. Um, I've got good views from my YouTube videos previously. And, you know, maybe I'll get a little extra something um, if I'm chosen for whatever category it is for that round. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is a really good idea. Like, I mean, you're running this for free, so, so you're not uh, of infinite resource, so you can't do this for everyone who makes something, but just having something so that you can acknowledge... Yep, we really appreciate the work people are putting in to create this kind of content. Um, is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw a um, uh, seven point uh, a seven seven minute deck tech by Drew uh, put one up on YouTube the other day, 
So that's yeah. one of the ones that I've seen, which is pretty exciting to see. And I'm uh, yeah. super keen to actually check out some more. I, I heard that there are some other ones that I haven't seen yet, so that's uh, certainly on my there's at least one other one I can't remember who it was by and I think there's been a couple more yeah it's really good it's fantastic yeah so this is the first one and then when so the plan is to start the second one in like so the original plan was February uh, yeah. which might get shifted back to March one of the th- one of the first things yeah. that we found out was that our timelines of uh, allowing people to sign up and that kind of thing was uh, incorrect Perhaps um, ambitious ambitious yeah that's that's a much nicer way of saying it yeah. Uh, so, so we just uh, extended the sign-up time by uh, a few weeks for this one in order to let people get out there and, and make the decision. Uh, and originally we put up like a, uh, a Judge Foil Alishnorn as first prize, which is a pretty cool uh, first prize in my opinion, mm. but also maybe not quite flashy enough to get somebody who's thinking about uh, like wanting to play in it but has never played Moto, like never played Magic Online before. Yeah. Um, it's not like, you're like, yeah, okay, that'd be pretty cool, but it's like a whole thing to get involved in a, in a new um, uh, platform. So to encourage those people up into an underground seat was a decision that we made. And I think at an underground seat, I think that that's like, okay, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll learn how to play uh, mm-hmm. on Magic Online, given that uh, it's free entry and uh, I can probably, you know, either use the rental services or borrow some cards or... Even just uh, invest in an online uh, version of your favorite deck because we anticipate this will be the first of uh, hopefully a few. And we're yeah. also hoping, you know, fingers crossed, that uh, it becomes something that actually gets integrated into Magic Online maybe a couple of years down mm, the track so that, yeah. uh, uh, you know, like you could have like a, you know, as you have the Vintage League or the Legacy League on Magic Online, that could also be a 7.9 Islander League. Which would be yeah, nice. and uh, I believe part of the plan in doing this is um, we might get some people who are happy to have commentary done on their matches, and that might get recorded and put on YouTube by a you know mm-hmm. uh, done on uh, something like Jimbo's stream or any of the other um, people who have similar streams, or just you know recorded and put up somehow. Yeah. Um, just to yeah. again get more content out there. Um, because we have had a really good response in the last couple of days. Um, we've had a number of people from the Canadian Highlander Discords uh, join our Discord um, just to say, hey, look, you know, was kind of interested in your format. This tournament looks cool. Um, you know, I'll give it a go, um, mm-hmm. which is excellent. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly what we're hoping, right? The, those people that are kind of like, oh, yeah, kind of been interested in that to get them to a stage where they're like, okay, yeah, I'll pull the trigger in, in actually building a deck given that it's zero dollars entry and first place an underground seat. Uh, yeah. yeah. And with the, you know, the, the, the promise of a larger event to happen in, you know, uh, this year in the, in the next couple of months. Yeah. Uh, which uh, yeah. is certainly a big part of that was like, honestly, I was just, I was craving competitive Highlander. And <laughs> I, I just, I wasn't allowed to leave the house because Melbourne was in full lockdown. Yeah. So there's just no competitive events. And, uh, you know, my attitude is that if there are no competitive events available to you, Isaac, bloody make one. Like, just make <laughs> that's, right. uh, that's like flashing backwards 20 years or 15 years or whatever it was when you started doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Face to face. The very, uh, yeah, the very first ones was like, oh, what? No one's, uh, 
no one's running these big competitive Highlander events. Uh, I guess I'll just run them then. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I'll just buy a store and, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, uh, uh, because of how large I want to make it, it means that I can't actually play the event because I'm, uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm becoming like a real TO kind of yeah. perspective and that means that like yep. for the integrity of the event uh like i don't want to i don't want to jeopardize that so for this event i'm actually going to play in it but i'm actually going to concede all of my matches but i want to play all of my matches and organize them oh, to and, test them. and mm. yeah to to yeah get a feel for the uh annoying parts of submitting deck lists and that kind of thing yep um, yeah yeah no, that's really excellent uh, and presumably on uh moto this or mtgo this has to be in the the freeform category, not vintage, because Lurus is legal in Seven Point Highlander and not in vintage. That is correct. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, I'm, you know, it's a decision that we were right to make, but it does make it a tiny bit of a pain sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so th there's a post all about this on Reddit, which I'll link to in the, the down below. Um, and also, obviously, links to the, the Discord and just to the uh, announcement itself. Um, just so that everyone can check that out. Um, so that's all good. So, yeah, look, it looks like a really, really great event. Um, I mean, as we said earlier, zero dollars entry in exchange for, I don't know, what's an underground sea worth these days? 600 like bucks? Eight. It's a lot. A lot of bucks. bucks. Seven, Depending seven on the quality. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, for a um, good condition one. This one's certainly seen some literal concrete. Uh, oh, yeah, look. <laughs> oh, you got to love those. Yeah. That, that's that's entirely fair. Um, we've but, all got uh, some cards like those. Yeah, I'm definitely a person yeah. who contributed to doing that <laughs> in, in, in the playground. <laughs> yeah. Sitting there uh, tapping our lands and our soul rings and whatever other things you had access to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I ever played on concrete, but I've definitely played some dual lands on like cheap wooden tables with no sleeves. <laughs> I, um, I, uh, I don't think I ever played Jewel Lands like that. Uh, yeah. I think, because... I, I think that we just had sleeves like early on. I was yeah. one of those people that, that at the, at, in the beginning, uh, weighed up the cost of buying a pack of sleeves versus buying more cards. And so I just went, oh, well, why would I buy the sleeves? I could buy more cards. And so I bought more cards and then continued to tap <laughs> many yeah. things on the concrete. <laughs> yeah. When when I first started, so I first started when, uh, it must have been just after Antiquity stopped being sold because that wasn't in the shops and Revised was and Legends came out not that like a couple of months afterwards. Um, and I don't know whether you could buy sleeves at all. Certainly you couldn't buy mm. good sleeves. Um it was one by just... Ultra Pro. There was only one type of sleeve, and it was this hard, clear Ultra Pro one. Do you remember that? Uh, it was, yeah, it was I'm not, not even sure those were out I in the size were, of Magic I think cards. they were penny sleeves back then. I think oh, that's right. Been it was penny a, sleeves. The penny sleeve, penny sleeve was the first sleeves. thing, yeah, that you yeah, could yeah. shuffle up yeah, <laughs> debatably. I, I remember, I remember <laughs> thinking that they made it worse to shuffle. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. And didn't actually provide that much protection. <laughs> Um, anyway, enough of. Uh... I can't. I can't remember what I traded for my first like real deck, but um, um, my brother, my older brother's mate, wanted a card that I had. I don't know what the card was, but he traded an entire deck for that card. <laughs> um, 
That first discovery that, you know, some cards are just worth so much more than others. (laughs) You know, that that, that moment where where it clicks and you go, oh, yeah, this one guy's cradle that's like $5 is worth my entire deck of 10 cent cards. Oh, Uh, okay. I, I don't think that that clicked, actually. I think that my, <laughs> I think that my 10-year-old self was like, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> what a chump. <laughs> I mean, I think the other thing, just while we're on a nostalgia trip about um, Jewel Lands when I started, was everyone thought they were terrible. Because they're like, why would I play this land that's an island swamp when I could just play an island and a swamp? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this one. Yeah, gets because affected oh, no, by... they get destroyed by boil, isn't that like your swamp yeah. gets destroyed by boil? It's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. There were there were very few cards that mentioned non basic lands, uh, in the first few sets. Like the first real one, I think, is Blood Moon, um, in the dark. But like, it, was, it was the tsunamis. I definitely remember that sentence of like, nah. Oh it, yeah, it, true. It, that it gets, does destroy your forest. It gets killed well. by tsunami mm-hmm. or, or yeah, <laughs> or acid rain. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or you know the um, that that forest walk creature, you know, like a river boa or something, gets to attack through your uh, bayou. River boa was years. Or island later. walk. What was that? Yeah, un, un, it was. Um, what was it? Shana, that was visions Shana-man, or something. Shanawan yeah. dryad was the one in the. That's the one. Yeah, forest walk, and then and then, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, you you've got a bayou in your lands. <laughs> no right. one one's getting in. <laughs> getting us slightly back on track. Um. So that event sounds incredible. We'll have all the details in in the down below. Um, you are hopefully hearing this before Christmas, in which case I've done my job tomorrow. Uh, and in which case you've got until, I think it's it's like the 7th of the 20th. Sorry? The 7th of Jan is the last. Of the, the, like, the, like the pairings will go up on the 7th of Jan, so you need to sign up for this event before the 7th of Jan or before cool. we hit 128 players. So if we yep. hit a, like th- this event is is uh, hard capped at 128 yep. players, so yep. you need to you need to sign up sooner rather than later because uh, at free entry and underground C, yeah, you want to you, yeah, you, you definitely want to sign mm-hmm. up sooner rather than later. So when you yep. hear this, if you're interested in playing in it, uh, then um, uh, and you know like uh, committed to actually you know having your deck online and that kind of thing, then uh, then yeah, sign up. So you're probably incredible. hearing this before the before the new year for sure. Oh, that'll hopefully give you, that'll give you that'll give you a week <laughs> a, a week to to um to sign up after that as well. Ample Look, it's time. a it's a busy period, but tomorrow morning, in theory, if I actually get out of bed, this will get done. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so the other thing uh, I wanted to have a bit of a chat about because we keep missing it um, is there's a spoiler we missed for whatever the set was, Commander Legends. And there's also a couple of spoilers up for Keldheim. Uh, insert heavy metal noise here. Um, so the one we missed from Commander Legends is a pretty good one, uh, and it's Hullbreacher. Um, Hullbreacher costs... You guys missed Hullbreacher? Like... Yeah, it, it wasn't it printed wasn't when printed. we recorded. <laughs> <laughs> was I, made, I made this... Was opposition agent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Opposition yeah, we agent opposition was printed, agent. and then um, I, I made this hot take uh, on the episode we were recording, and I said, "Oh, look, I think the second best 
card in this set is uh, Magus of whatever is nature or the natural order one, Magus yeah. of the order or whatever that was. Yeah. Because that that was the next best thing. Oh, this is this is cool. Yeah, natural order zero points. Okay, yeah, I can pot into it. That's so cool. And so I make this hot take and then literally close the computer down, check my phone, you know, before dinner, and whole breacher is <laughs> it's yeah, just like everywhere. Like an hour later or something. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Um. So whole breacher is three mana. So two generic and a blue. Uh, it's a 3-2 with flash. And whenever your opponent draws a card that isn't the first card they draw in their draw step, I think is the wording. Yeah, yes. so they're allowed, to, they're allowed to draw their draw step. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Any other time, uh, they don't get to draw a card and instead you get a treasure, which is you know, an artifact you can sack for a colourless. Mm-hmm. Um, for a coloured mana. So what do we think about Hull Breacher other than Vomit? Uh, I played one uh, on Sunday in response to my opponent's main phase, uh, uh, whatever that five-cost mystic thing is. Uh, oh, mystic confluence? Modes. Mystic confluence. Oh. Uh, and he, he just, like, main phased five, tap five mana, draw three cards. And I was like, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I will instead get three treasure tokens. Accounting uh, uh, the spell, basically. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, yeah. he also had a hull breach of that game that it basically made my Sylvan Library non-existent. Uh, but eventually, had to block with his with his hull breach. Uh, it turned on my my uh, Sylvan uh, Library, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I think this and Opposition Agent are both not quite as good as I initially thought they were, um, but they're still extremely good, and you've got to pay a lot of attention to them. Um, yeah, it's actually, you, I, I haven't done it yet, but with Opposition Agent, you have to go start playing around it by fetching in your main phase, like, mm-hmm. like back when Avon Mind Sensor was more, more of yep. a thing. Uh, with Opposition Agent now, like, you actually have to change the way that you play. Now that that yeah. Exists. yeah, Opposition yeah, Agent sure. is, um, it's, it's in a, it's, uh, you know how the, the two were printed and it was looking at these two, you know, buddy cop movie with this, you know, opposition agent and whole breacher and just going, oh, these two are together. You know, <laughs> you know these these two um, uh, little characters are going to be mainstays of the format. Uh, in After playing them for a fair bit, basically after it was printed, I, I play tested it a lot uh, with the yep. group. And then I, then I played it, you know, straight away in the first event that I could, played them. And opposition agent is, is a head above whole breacher. And... Yep. The, that was not my initial kind of perspective. I thought they were going to be quite, quite similar. Um, it's interesting because mm. I think um, some of the blue Ella Melbourne team um, have come to the opposite conclusion. Interesting. Um, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, maybe, maybe some of them. Uh, yeah. But uh, they've actually, they certainly are, 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 there's been a lot of chat about how good they are. And everybody certainly uh, originally overestimated how good they are. Yeah. Whilst yep. also yep. acknowledging that they're still very good. So. Yeah, I think initially we thought they just went in everything. Um, yep. They don't go in every deck, but they're really good in tempo shells. Like yep. Very, very good. Um, you've got to... You don't have to. Sometimes you can just destroy your opponent. But if you're going to play the main, you on average have to have some value in the 3-2 with no text once it comes into play. Yeah, that's uh, basically the summary of it. Like, if you, if your deck doesn't want a 3-2, like, it doesn't want a hired blade, 
if your if your deck doesn't want this draft chaff uh, common flash three two for three, then your deck probably doesn't want the card because the well, it's it's not doesn't want because no one wants hired blade, um, mm-hmm. but if your deck hates having that card, like yes, you know if you're a control deck that only has two finishes and aims to end the game on turn twelve mm. and casts balance and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, then you're just not getting that much value out of them most yeah. of the time. There will still be decks you destroy. They're very, very good out of the sideboard, I think. I don't even um, think they're, they're sideboardable. They're just I, well, it's it's a bit weird because in in the in the deck that uh, that is like hard control, they become better post board because your opponent yeah. takes out all of their removal. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, so they are they are more of a main deck card. But also, they can certainly fit in the sideboard of those like hard control decks that aren't playing any creatures in the main because of this like situation that occurs a bunch where your opponent can't remove them. They just take out their bolts and bolt and fatal push effects and so on. Yeah. yeah, what, yeah. What, I, what I've found with um, with Hull Breacher as of the best example, um, or just uh, the two of them together. Basically, if you're playing um, blue, black, X tempo, like, you know, bug tempo or something, then you just always play them because you are very, very happy to have the baseline mode, which is end of your turn, I'll play this 3-2 and then I'll go to my turn and I'll start attacking. Yeah. You don't even care about value. You just want to get a body on the table that you can spell pierce when they try to remove it and you just keep turning it sideways. Um, well, and-, and, it's, and it's not even don't care about the value, it's... In those games where you can't extract value from them, you don't care. Well, the main um, thing is you just you never want to not cast it when you left the three mana open. So that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. the most the worst part about the card is that it actually draws you into making the wrong play because because it has flash. It makes people think like, okay, I need to get value out of this, and so they you know pass the turn. Their opponent doesn't do the thing they were expecting, and you or they play a fetch land, they don't crack it. And you're like, oh, well, I'm going to make sure I catch you. So I'll go back to my turn and then I'll hold this up again to catch you when you do that. And then you do it at the end of your turn because they've cracked a fetch lane. They go to their turn, they punish you and play Titania or something. Like the yeah. the, the whole um, flash, flash gotcha mechanic is so incredibly skill testing because it opens you up to making the wrong play, which is almost always uh, not using your mana effectively uh, over sequential turns. Uh, their best home is in those tempo decks because you go, well, I'm always going to play this at the end of your turn, regardless of whether I'm going to try and get value or not. I'm always going to play this three, two to use my mana effectively, go to my turn, have my mana up ready to counter something or protect it. So that's, that's kind of the, the reason I'm a lot, colder on them cooler not cold cooler on them than i originally was uh the the uh head-to-head battle between vendelian clique and uh hull breacher is one that i've encountered so often in deck building basically the last two months or so it's you know preparing your list and going uh i've got enough slot i've got one slot remaining here and it can either be vendelian clique or hull breacher but just based on the rest of the deck, I just can't fit both of these two in. And, you know, you, you say that and people go, well, but they're both amazing. So why don't you just play both? Just go ahead and go and make your deck. Go and look at any three color deck and go, uh, yeah, how many slots do I have? For that kind yeah, of <laughs> how am I actually yeah. going to fit these in? Um, yeah. And 
the two, when you kind of compare the two head to head, they do very similar roles, which is you always want to play this at the end of their turn, effectively use your mana and then start attacking with it. Um, but the Vendillion click doesn't have the, hey, you want to get them uh, situation. It, it, it incentivizes you to just play it use its ability immediately at the end of their turn and then go to your turn. And the whole Breacher tricks you into thinking, I have to get the value. Uh, yeah, and I mean, Hull, Hull Breacher's Breach- base, um, because it doesn't have the flying, uh, Hull Breacher's uh, upside is huge and yeah. Cleek's upside is not quite as huge. Uh, and Cleek is better against combo, whereas Hull Breacher is better against control. So, like, they're oh, two very different cards. But anyway... Oh, of course, of um, course. I think, they're, they're so, very so different summary cards. So, our summary is, before we uh, spend the next half hour talking about this, uh, <laughs> they're very <laughs> they're good. Both, they're both pretty good, but uh, yeah, not but as good as you might you've got to think about be. it. Like, they're not yeah. free rolls. Not slam dunks. Yeah. yeah. So, the other thing I want to discuss, because um, we're going to... Try and have a shorter episode, he says, knowing that the other two people he's talking to are Saab and Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> the most loquacious of teams has been as- assembled for this episode. Uh, is there some spoilers out for Kaldheim? Um, so I want to just quickly run through a couple of the early ones, which I think are Highlander playable, um, and get reactions from both of you. Um, mm-hmm. So the other four of the, the two-colour flip lands are out. If you thought the existing ones were good, these are exactly as good as those, but in different colours. Mm-hmm. Um, moving right along. So the first one that's worth talking about, I think, is Pyre of Heroes. So this is a two-mana artefact, which is two-tap, sack a creature. Search your library for a creature card that shares a creature type with a sacrifice creature and has converted mana cost one more than that creature. Put the one you find into play. Only as a sorcery. Yeah, Isaac should talk about this first because he's a resident pod expert. I literally yes. learnt all my potting from him, <laughs> watching watching <laughs> coverage and looking Absolutely. at lists. <laughs> yeah, so uh, before we actually started this cast, I found it interesting, Saab, you said, oh yeah, like the elf po- uh, pod thing. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, 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 no. This is, this is not going to be used with elves. I think this is going to be used with humans. Because... Humans? Oh, interesting. It's real yeah. good with humans. So uh, the one drops on humans are Noble Hierarch and Abyssin's Pilgrim, which mm. uh, is a bit of an issue because you, you really like to play one drops with uh, like mana dorks. Uh, so this is certainly a, a, a point of contention where pod is significantly better because it can, turn, it can start the pod chain at one. But what it does do is it turns uh, a one drop into two drops include uh, Jace French Prodigy, or Diefweet Daredevil, I believe, is nice. a human. Yeah. Uh, and then at three, you've got Spellseeker. You've got uh, Tireless Tracker as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at four, you've got Palace Jailer. Oh, so, yeah. Nice. Uh, Palace Jailer and Spellseeker are really the payoffs. Uh, I don't know. I think is is uh, Titania... Titan- Titania is not human, I don't believe. Mm. I think she might actually just be like... An elemental something. Yeah, I think she's an elemental. Is, is my feeling. Um, if only we had the internet and could work this out. Um, <laughs> elemental. I, I would hazard a guess that Blades Spicer is a human as well. So there's like, Ooh, you, yeah, nice. You can you can make some changes to your deck in order for. Oh, is it, for a, it wouldn't be a golem. I think it would be like a human that make human artificer that makes a golem. Is my feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is good. Oh, it is indeed a human artificer. Nice. <laughs> 
So, the, yeah, there are lots of options. One of the really good things about Pyro Heroes is it costs two to cast. So, one of the best things that you can do with Pod is just be on the play and go turn one mana dock, turn two Pod when you don't have Counterspell open. Uh, and now every single creature I play is such a house that, you, that you're going to lose the game. So uh, Pyre of Heroes allows you to play this without the Mana Dock on turn one. Or you go Mana Dock, they go Bolt your, your birds, and then you untap and play Pyre of Heroes. And now any human you play is uh, a value chain that is ridiculous. Uh, the downside the is that it costs two to activate. Yeah. Which, uh, so... Both Birthing Pod and Pyre of Heroes cost four mana total if you want to play it and activate it in the same turn. Although Birthing Pod will cost you four life to do that. <laughs> uh, ir- irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> sometimes You're winning not. the game. <laughs> uh, especially, but like, you know, like Birthing Pod can turn your three drop into Omnath, which allows you to gain life, or turn your three drop into. Uh, Obstinate Balas, Balas, if mm. you're not playing uh, Obnath Colors. Siege so Rhino. Can, and there's yeah. so many delicious things for life gain, right? Yeah, yeah. and, and they, they aren't humans. So uh, yeah. there might be the some world where, where you actually you, you, you turn all of your cards into elementals or something like that. Where, yeah, uh, yep. Uh, Omnath into Titania because they're both <laughs> elementals. <laughs> the other thing about it, though, is that you can have multiple chains in your deck. Um, and creatures can be part of both because it's either of their creature types. Mm. Um, so, like, if you've got a a human shaman as, as a one-drop, it can go and fetch a two-drop human or a two-drop shaman. I don't know what a good two-drop shaman is off the top of my head, but I'm yeah. sure they exist. Like, there there's a lot of uh, creative exploration. Creative where, where you turn, yeah. you, you, turn you, you have some kind of uh, two-drop. Like, you can even have a two-drop that is a shapeshifter. Like, if you just have a two-drop yeah. shapeshifter in your deck, now all of your mana docks turn into the shapeshifter, and you can mm. continue your pod And the shapeshifter turns into anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, another one. This one, it doesn't have the support it wants, but it's cool, so I'm talking about it anyway. Um, so, this is Magda, Brazen Outlaw. Uh, so, uh, for a red and a one, for a two-one, it's a legendary dwarf and berserker. Um, other dwarves you control get plus one, plus O. Oh. oh, there it is, finally. <laughs> uh, whenever a dwarf you control becomes tapped, create a treasure token and then sacrifice five treasures search your library for an artifact or dragon card and put it into play <laughs> artifact oh. or dragon I like, the, I, like, <laughs> I like that I mean flavour flavor win but also two very quite different <laughs> yeah, things you can right. so you, you can, can use your treasures to stuff. buy a blightsteel colossus yeah. or bribe a stormbreath dragon to come and work for you Like these are your options Nice flavor. Now, is this the 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 second dwarf payoff? Because I think there's um, a Kaladesh dwarf who the, the gives Kaladesh dwarf a bonus. who likes it when your dwarves pilot. I don't know if she buffs the dwarves yeah. inherently. She might. She doesn't buff she, them. She, but she, when you she, cast a dwarf, you can reveal cards from the top or something to find dwarves. No, yeah, yeah th- there are a couple. Tap, of whenever you tap it, you can you can pay X mana and then look at the top X cards. Right. Okay. And put all dwarves and. Uh, vehicles into your yeah, hand. Yeah, yep, and yep. vehicles. Okay, yeah. right, right. And it gives all vehicles and dwarves possible as well. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Right, there is so, a, a lord. And presumably there will be some more dwarves in this set. Um, not just like one dwarf lord, that's all you get. <laughs> what a troll. <laughs> uh, so the next one, this one's not as powerful, but it's interesting. Um, there have been a number of cards with similar sort of text um, 
So this is uh, a three mana two three in green, so it's two and a green. Um, it's a changeling. As this enters the battlefield, choose a creature type, and then you've got future sight for creatures of that type. So you can look at the top card of your library at any time, and if they're creatures of that type, you can cast them. Now this one's an elf. <laughs> this one does seem okay in uh, elves, that's for sure. Um, but again, also in like, you know, something like We Can Be Heroes, where most of your creatures are human, um, it's, it's definitely worth exploring. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, it's it's the cheap. Is it the cheapest version of you know Vizier of the Menagerie? I think that's the cheapest version think, of that effect for mana, right? I think uh, yes. I don't think there's been any three mana versions of that before. Mm. I'm sure so that that could be a yeah. Someone will find find one. Um, <laughs> but that that could be a, an interesting precedent and and yeah. to see uh, whether it's playable or not. <clears throat> um. So the next one is Halvar, God of Battle, uh, who's two white and two for a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, interestingly, unlike all previous gods, this god can die. Oh, um, it's not indestructible or, it, or it's has got some kind nothing. of ability to go back? No. Or? no. Hmm. So creatures you control that are enchanted or equipped have double strike. At the beginning of each combat, you may attach target aura or equipment attached to a creature you control to target creature you control. So it just lets you switch nice. all your equipment and stuff around. Um, but it's a double-faced card, and presumably the other gods also will be. So the other side is Sword of the Realms, which is a white and one. So this is uh, of the double-faced kind of card where you just, like the ones from um, Set, Zendikar, where you just pick a side, but the other side is an equipment. Um, so equipped creature gets plus two, plus zero, oh, and has Vigilance. Whenever the equipped creature dies, return it to its owner's hand. So the god can die, but it makes it so that whatever creature you give it to can't. So, and its equipped cost is a white and one. Ooh. So, I yeah. like it. Um, this next one has, I mean, incredible art, uh, both the original and, but in particular, the alt art version. Um, and this is very much uh, Fenrir the wolf um, mm -hmm. from Norse legend. So it costs. Three mana, green, black, and one for a three-three. Whenever a permanent opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on Sarulf the Realm Eater, which is this. Uh, and at the beginning of your upkeep, if it has one or more plus one plus one counters on it, you can remove all of them. If you do, exile each other non-land permanent with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of counters removed this way. Nice. I, it, I mean, you can choose to do that. You don't have to automatically right. trigger that. That's right. So if you've got three counters on this, um, you can have a 6-6, six, six, or you can say, actually, I want to kill your Teferi and your Tarmogoyf, and all, you know, my stuff as well. Um, mm -hmm. But, and then I, I'm always left with at least the 3-3. Three, three, so, and it triggers off your opponent's fetches and anything of theirs you kill. So. Hmm. Yeah, the choice is definitely uh, what pushes this into the realm of playability because so many yeah. times these kinds of effects are automatically triggered, aren't they? Yeah. You know, that, that, yeah. that type of, oh, okay, this impending doom is coming. Yeah. Look, given how Wizards have been designing cards recently, I'm surprised you don't get to do it every upkeep and keep all the counters. <laughs> and it can't be blocked by creatures two power or less and it's got, yeah. you know, damage can't be prevented yeah, and yeah. vigilance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's all so far. Like they've only had one week worth, um, but 
you know, as with any set, it could be great. Um, yeah, I'm, hopefully I'm it contains a few Okos, if what, what kind of brewing takes place as a result of Pyro Heroes? I wouldn't be surprised mm. if it yeah. uh, if it gets some shapeshifter action into uh, some pretty cool uh, pod chains in Highlander. I'm certainly going to be thinking about that and seeing if I can put it into my current deck and, yeah, yeah taking advantage. And, I mean, it's... It's definitely the sort of card that, as the committee will be watching, because it's quite similar to Birthing Pod. It's probably not as good. Um, yeah, but, I think I think yeah. it's a significant chunk not as good, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it's it's certainly going to do some stuff. Oh, yeah, some my, good yes. some good scenarios have been like when Vanifar was spoiled, and it's kind of like, oh, this is this is just a pod but it's better because it's on a creature and you know you kind of have that fear yeah. that it's going to you know absolutely dominate and it doesn't it's just totally yep. fair reasonable and people can build around it yep yeah Vanifar, so i uh, i certainly uh, i own a foil copy of Vanifar that i've <laughs> never been able to play <laughs> <laughs> just never quite makes the cut <laughs> uh, I, I i did build like a um like a, a pod chain Vanifar deck that was like Kiki based with the idea being that you can combo off and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it just turns out that they just kill your thing in response. And, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Vanifar, go. Uh, kill it. Go. Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but my, my best laid plans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, the Coldheim equipment is sweet. The, the God that flips into a, uh, an equipment at your choice uh, of which to play that I, I quite I quite like that idea because there are so many times where this will uh, you know be the relevant thing you need at the time I need to push damage okay I'll make this equipment and start yep. um, attacking or I don't have anything on board I'll play it it kind of is you know I'm not going to say anywhere near as good but it's kind of reminiscent of Batterskull in that role where it can be played on an empty board as the equipment wielder. And this creature is obviously just a massive 4-4, you know, just make, comes out as a creature, up, turns sideways, um, or buffs your creatures. I did I did notice that uh, if anyone's seen the the trailer for the Coldheim set, uh, it's got Tybalt waxing lyrical about uh, the chaos that's going to come and yeah. talking about that that sword and you know this sword is the focus and he's talking about how it's a weapon that's going to protect everyone but it's also going to cause unimaginable chaos and laughs maniacally and what it does is give a creature plus two plus zero and gains vigilance <laughs> uh, yeah just <laughs> uh, a bit of a flavor fail there. <laughs> I love it cool um, yeah, so we'll talk more in the next episode. So our next episode um, will probably record in either the first or second week of January. Um, there'll be a little bit of a break, obviously. Yeah, there'll be a bit of a break uh, so that you know Christmas and New Year's can happen and people can go on holidays if they want to, if leaving your house is a thing you're allowed to do in the state you're currently in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, both allowed to and sensible to do. Um, I know that a lot of people will be kind of hankering in that early to mid January period going, Oh, but where's, where's the content? But there is a lead time for content. You know, we have to set up to record, then record and then 
Vance Edit. tirelessly does all the editing yeah. and all of that takes some time so there is lead time before an episode actually gets released so yeah. there will be a bit of a delay in that early january period Sorry um, about so that. i would hazard that um our next episode will be cal time spoilers uh, and then for our one after that depending on timing we might be talking about um some of the results of this first league um some of the decks from the first round and that kind of thing um yeah. which would be mm-hmm. fab um, and potentially a points change, I think, maybe. I'm not uh, saying yeah. there will be a change, but there'll be an announcement uh, there will uh, be around an Kaldheim, on... beginning of February-ish. Uh, Late in January. 20-something of, of January, January, I think. Mm. Um, which will either don't, don't change the points or Because won't. we've got to actually check the calendar. But Yeah, I, I haven't checked the calendar, Monday but it's, it's whenever the pre-release. nominal pre-release date is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, if you've got thoughts on that, come talk to us on Facebook or on the Discord. Um, I'm on the Discord a lot. Uh, Saab is on it less often, but he does pop in. Um, and we'll all be hanging around there, you know, helping people get uh, set up for this event and making sure we've got enough Discord channels so that if people want to have a voice chat while they're doing it, they can use our Discord for that. Um, and the Discord's also a really good place if you just want to come and talk to people about uh, old deck lists or deck card choices or decks that you're planning on building. Um, if you do go there or, or if you listen to the last episode, the uh, document that Ben from Melbourne put together is an amazing resource that has links to high dozens to low hundreds of decks um, from the last uh, decade or so. Um, and that's really great. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can come and join us on the Patreon at patreon.com slash Highlandercast. Um, We've also got a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Highlandercast, where we put updates as well. Um, as usual, there's the Discord, which I just mentioned, which we'll have a link to in the below, and um, the Facebook group. If you want to have a chat to us on Twitter, there's a uh, fa- uh, twitter.com slash, or you know, just at Highlandercast, I guess, not slash. Um, and also you can have a chat with me. Um, I'm at Vancian Notions. Isaac, where can people find you if they've got questions? Uh, so I technically have a Twitter account. It's at Egan I-J, uh, E-G-A-N-I-J. Yep. Uh, and I check that once a month or so, <laughs> um, maybe once every couple of months. Uh, and uh, then uh, I'm on Facebook as well, so you can certainly message me there and you can join uh, Rob's MTG Auctions uh we're, we're Australia-based. Uh, also, Josh and Patson, who do Bazaar, are going to share that to them as well. Yep. Uh, Australia-based as well, if you're uh, in Australia. Um, but yeah, Facebook is, is genuinely, the, genuinely the best way to contact me. I'm also on the Discord, so I will uh, pop in there. And I usually check the Discord maybe once a week or once or twice a week. So, yeah. 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 Um, and if you do have any questions about the event, as I said, um, Angus and myself and uh, Graham are on there quite a lot more often than once a week. Um, <laughs> so we'd be happy to field any questions and if we need to, we can bounce them up to Isaac, but you know, uh, I'm sure we can get you sorted from that. Um, yep. So yeah, look, that's everything and hopefully I can edit this tomorrow. Sweet. Bye. Awesome. Thanks everyone. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Now let's find out if I actually pressed the record button, which I was freaked out about about 10 minutes ago.